to another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. I'm going to be joined today by my co-host. We're all hosts here of this show. We share this equally. So I don't want to say I'm the host now because I'm sharing it in part with everybody, you know, including our friend, good friend here, Wesley Perkins, and our new, uh, I guess, good friend that we brought on here too, <laughs> uh, Chelsea Torres. So we're all hosts of the Two Shots Podcast and it's great to have, you know, not just Chelsea, but Wesley back as well. We're kind of bringing the group back together again. We're missing one Steven Anderson and, and Benjamin Bornstein, but we'll, we'll get them on on another episode, possibly next week. So this is the, the way the show will look moving forward now. And we're excited to be able to talk not only, you know, Spurs basketball, but incorporate the world of sports a little bit into this and also get into some geek, you know, geek discussions and put in that pop culture flavor to it. So. Without further ado, let's go ahead and talk about the San Antonio Spurs and their game. With one DeMar DeRozan back, the Spurs look great, you know, against the Pelicans. And they beat them by a final score of 117 to 114. While the game was a lot closer than I'd like, especially during that fourth quarter, uh, they kind of let the Pelicans back into it. And it was kind of a little nail-biter there. You were hoping that they would close them out. Sure enough, they did. But DeMar DeRozan back, you know, after his the passing of his father, he put up 32 points in 38 minutes and 23 seconds that he played. He had two steals. He had 11 assists. And he had a rebound, you know. So, I mean, all in all, you loved what you saw out of DeMar DeRozan and his game back with the San Antonio Spurs. And he's looking every bit as the all-star that he is, even though he did get snubbed. And you know what? I want him to play with this chip on his shoulder because he was, before the season started, the 82nd best player in the league out of 100 per ESPN. So you know what? ESPN is looking foolish right now because DeMar DeRozan is making a meat crow. So keep it up, DeMar. We're rooting for you. So let's go ahead and start with you, Chelsea. What did you think about the Spurs uh, winning against the Pelicans and, and the play of one DeMar DeRozan? Okay, well, let me just say this first. I have not been able to keep up with every single Spurs game. Okay, so don't judge me at all for everything that I have to say. But through and through Spurs fan, right? And I keep up on social media. So um, after last night's game, I feel like going against the Pelicans, Sound Williams, that's a great game to win, especially for DeMar coming off this, what do you want to call it? I mean, this little uh, time off, you know, for personal reasons. Um, and I think we've seen this before, like with Isaiah Williams, you know, when you lose a family member and you come back into a game and, you want to play the best that you can be. And it's almost like all of those emotions just come out onto the court. So I think that's exactly what happened with DeMar, which is exactly what we want to see. You know, he was efficient last night. And that's the kind of player that needs to, that we need to see on the court. Um, not only from him, but DeJounte Murray, uh, Lonnie Walker as well. And of course, Patty Mills, I feel like to me, he's probably been one of my favorite players the past few seasons. Um, so Solid defense. Of course, he put up, what, 32 points, I think he said, and 11 assists. Um, but just efficient. I feel like that's a solid word for DeMar from last night is just being an efficient player on the court. Yeah, you know, we have some comments here. Michael wants us to talk about some fighting, which we will. Uh, but okay. Alicia Cunningham, she's watching us on Periscope right now on Twitter. And she says, 82nd in the league is just a huge disrespect to DeMar and to the Spurs organization. I agree with you, Alicia. I you know, they disrespected DeMar and he's making them pay for it. And I, I love this. Just hit, let him keep on doing this. And that 82nd best player evaluation by ESPN just proves how 
idiotic that whole rating system is. It really means nothing at the end of the day because us Spurs fans, we know how good DeMar is, you know. Uh, and Wesley, let's go ahead and shoot to you and tell let us know what you thought about the San Antonio Spurs victory over the Pelicans and the play of one DeMar DeRozan. Well, first of all, it's nice to see him back uh, with the team and, you know, certainly condolences to his family and uh, going through a rough time right now with the loss of his father. But, uh, you know, especially also, too, it's the first time back after this snub has occurred. And you mentioned that, too. And um, yeah, I don't think it, in DeRozan's play, I don't think it's going to make all that big of a difference. He played the same steady game that we've seen him um, throughout the season, which is why that that ranking looks even more asinine because, you know, his his uh, his playmaking ability for this team. And we saw it even into last year, Joe, with with the bubble. Uh, has just continued. This style of play really suits him, and we're seeing his best version, um, I think, of his career, not just of, with the Spurs. But last night, I felt like this was as good a win as you could ever have down, you know, five players and four of them w- that are in the, the rotation on a, on a nightly, you know, basis. Uh, and you beat a team, you know, just like Chelsea said, that uh, had Zion and, and had Brandon Ingram, and um, they were beasts. They, they did their thing, and uh, you were you managed to come out on top. And I know we're going to talk about him a little separately, but my goodness, you know, the growth of, you know, DeJounte Murray is something to behold. And um, I, I just, I feel it, it's it's a blessing that we have this team. I kind of feel like we've reverted back to the old days of, you know, pre-90s of the, the, the first championship where people are just not going to give the Spurs any credit. They're not going to be in the news. They're not going to be on national TV. And we're going to kind of be that underdog again. And you know what? So what, you know? We know what we have in this team, this young team, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun to watch. And I think last night's game just showed another great team uh, win that just you know showcased a lot of everybody just coming together and, and playing consistently on, on both ends of the floor. Yeah, just wanted to give a quick shout out too to everybody who's watching. Chris Veronica Medina from Facebook and Michael DeLeon's joining us on Facebook. John Williams, shout out to you joining us on Facebook, and Jason Garcia along with David. Uh, Awater, uh, joining us from Facebook. John Williams had a comment that he put here. He said, DeMar passed the legendary Boston Celtics, Bob Cosey, uh, for points scored. And Jason says, Spurs thrive with DeMar. He says, I, w- I still say Aldridge must be traded if he cannot conform to coming off the bench. <laughs> okay. Uh, David says, ESPN was smoking a bag with that rating. I agree with you, David. He says, Spurs defense is much better this year. He loves the 17 and 12 record. I like it as well. And Jason says if the Spurs can go into the second round with a seven game set, that will say what a great job this team has done this season. And Michael says DJ's confidence is growing every game. I find it humorous that people (laughs) in some Spurs groups on Facebook call him a G League point guard. Ouch. There is that DeMar. That's insulting. <laughs> it is. There's some there's some some fan faithful out there that like to just lay into one, not only Derek White, but they lay into Derek DeJounte Murray. They have nasty things to say about Lucas Simonich, and it goes on and on. Spurs Twitter is a mixed bag at, at times, you know. It can be a nexus of negativity, but also, you know, Spurs fans come together when somebody uh, has something bad to say about the team and then just go and light them up. So it has its good and its bads. Uh, but let's go ahead and uh, talk not only about, you know, DeMar DeRozan and the Spurs and, you know, how they look good in this game back against the Pelicans because now they're starting to get back to full strength because they have one of their better players in the lineup. But what can we say about one LaMarcus Aldridge? I don't know if this role is going to be 
the norm for him moving forward, coming off the bench. But I got to tell you guys, it's working and, and he's he's looking better. You know, that's the thing. Uh, Paul Garcia, our, our counterpart here from Project Spurs, he had tweeted out something. <coughs> Excuse me. He put and two games off the bench. Well, six per six per game, he says. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm sorry. He's post ups is what he's talking about. He's talking about post-ups per game as a starter. LaMarcus Aldridge had 3.5 per game. In the two games coming off the bench, he's had six per game. So he's doubled his post-up moves. And he's put uh, still a small sample size, but he's getting more chances to post off the bench. And with that, more attempts at the free throw line. This helps that second unit. And, and I just like the balance that it brings. You know, having LaMarcus Aldridge coming off that bench kind of being that anchor for that second unit as far as the go-to guy. I think it takes a lot of pressure off, you know, Rudy Gay takes a lot of pressure off of Patty Mills because then they can just feed LaMarcus Aldridge and then they can get in better positions to score as well. So I think it helps everybody in that second unit. I hope this is the norm and let's see how willing uh, LaMarcus Aldridge will be to be coming off the bench, but I like the adjustment. I think it needs to be the norm going forward. Chelsea, what do you think? Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think it's a whole new wave of energy coming off the bench, and that's something that the Spurs need, especially coming into the second half. Um, I'm curious, has he mentioned, has anybody asked him if we heard, like, if how he kind of feels about this, or how what has Pop even said about LaMarcus coming off the bench now and kind of having this new quote-unquote role, if that's what we want to call it? He said it was something that he was going to have to adjust to. He was going to have to get used to this. Um you know, because he's used to being a starter, you know, and at right, this the main guy. Yeah. Yeah. And at this juncture, him having to go ahead and come off the bench, it's going to be a change for him. He's going to have to get used to that. But I think he knows as well that him coming off the bench is going to be the best fit for the team moving forward to give him the chance to win games, you know, because it does give him that balance. It's like you have a starting five, right, which we know already. But then the second unit it's just as good as well, you know? So you want this kind of balance here to keep you in games. You know, if you're coming from behind, maybe the second unit can get something going if the first unit is struggling, you know, and vice versa. So I just love the balance. I think it should be the norm going forward. It's going to take them a little bit of time getting used to everything, like any adjustment, you know, when you're used to something for so long. But I think if he can go ahead and, and get accustomed to his role, it's going to be beneficial for not just him, but for the team moving forward. And look at man, let's let's be honest, Chelsea. If we could have the great Manu Ginobili, who could be a starter anywhere he wanted to be, but he chose to be with the Spurs. The Spurs loved him, and he embraced that role coming off the bench. If Lamarcus can do the same thing, I think this is going to be the the team's best chances to to move forward w with the winning tradition that we're used to, and also possibly, you know, getting us into that postseason. And let's see what happens, you know. So. Well, I think you're right. And actually, Frank Ramirez, I see his little comment. It says, L.A. just has up and down games, but still too soft. And if there's one thing about LaMarcus Aldridge that I've always thought, it's the fact that he is too soft. Like, I just want to see him out there with his big old body. Just be aggressive. Be yeah. more aggressive on the court. Be more aggressive in the paint. That's, that's what we're looking for. And so maybe this new role coming into that second unit, coming off the bench, 
maybe it's kind of like a, I don't know, you see your team playing for so long. It's like, okay, when am I going to get in? When am I going to get in help? And maybe that's why when he finally comes off the bench, he's ready to explode. I hope that works the way that it's been working the past two games. So Chelsea is a fan of LaMarcus coming off the bench. There you go. I'm okay with that for now. (laughs) She's giving it her stamp (laughs) of approval. All right. So let's go to you, Wesley. Wesley, what do you think? You think this change from LaMarcus coming off the bench is going to be conducive to the Spurs winning culture? Ooh, okay. Um, I I don't disagree, uh, Chelsea or Joe, for that matter. What I think that is going to be the significant problem is I don't know that I trust Lamarcus a- a- adopting this role and accepting this role yet. You know, it's it's too quick of a sample size for him. Do I think it benefits the Spurs? One hundred percent. He's creating matchup problems for the second units of the of the opposing teams, and that's you know. That's partly why Manu, uh, amongst other reasons, he was a starter who was coming in against second unit guys and just uh, and just would dominate them. Um, and I think there is something to be said about that. But the business side of this is the bigger part, which is to say, where does Lamarcus fit in long term? If he's relegated to the bench right now, you know he might accept this for now. But is he going to be the type of player that's going to accept this long term? I don't think he is. I mean, let's not forget that this is the same Lamarcus Aldridge that after a short stint with the Spurs, he was already talking about, hey, trade me. I don't want to be here. You're not doing things for me. I'm not, I don't fit in your system. And so Pop did exactly what he you know, wanted to, him to do so that he could stay in San Antonio, signed a new contract. They made it a little bit more about LaMarcus at that time. I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not calling the guy selfish. I just think that it's a little early to, to whether he's going to accept that role. Do I think it's better for the team? 100%. But and this is a whole nother discussion. It's, we're not going to probably be able to get into this. But again, is do you get something for him right now in a trade value because he's an expiring contract at the end of the year? And if he stays on the bench, which he most likely will with Pop, is he going to come back? And if he doesn't, you're going to let a guy like that who's valuable, you found a role for him, walk for nothing. So there's still some questions to be asked. But for the short term, for right now. I think it's a good thing. Yeah, I think so too. Let's let's just see what happens moving forward. But let's also talk about Yaka Portal. You know, Yaka Portal effectively at this point has taken away that starting role from one Lamarcus Aldridge. Yaka Portal earned this spot that he has right now in this starting lineup. Again, the team looks better with Yaka Portal starting than they did with Lamarcus. LaMarcus in that second unit still gives that balance with that scoring for the second unit. I like that Yaka Portal, as a starter, plays better defense, runs the floor better, is more active around the rim and in the low post as far as being able to keep up with the person that he's guarding at such point in time. you know. But I just like the way the team looks with Yaka Portal inserted into the starting lineup. I think it gives him the best chance of not only competing, but also it gives a little bit of that defensive edge that you want to this team that they're kind of lacking when LaMarcus Aldridge is the starter because defense isn't really his strong suit. Not to say that he is trash and he absolutely has no value with this team. He does. I'm just saying the team looks much better out there on the court with one Yaka Portal starting. What do you think, Chelsea? No, I can agree with that. I mean, I feel like... I'm. I haven't watched too much to really know exactly 
how different he's been from the beginning of the season to now. Um, but I can say from at least what I have watched and what I've kept up with Jakob, I feel like him, DeJounte Murray, like there's a few guys that bring that young energy onto the team, kind of like what Wesley had mentioned earlier. I mean, this is that younger Spurs organization that we're seeing. I mean, yeah, 82nd for DeMar against, you know, in the NBA rankings. Like, that just goes to show that the big dogs, networks, they're not going to pay attention to the Spurs organization. Spurs fans know this. We, we've known this for so long. So maybe now's the time that we've been talking about um, where we're really building up that team to eventually get to the championship team that we're hoping to see. Maybe, I, I, I don't, I'm not going to say this season, I'm not going to say even next season, but maybe in a couple of seasons. Yeah, we also have a comment here from Jason Salinas. He says, uh, I guess he was saying he was doing that again versus Zion. Uh, he could be referring to either Jakob or to um, or to Lamarcus. Uh, Lalisha Cunningham says he doesn't have the leverage now at 35. Say t- say he doesn't want to be here. Uh, you know, to say he doesn't want to be here. I kind of agree with that. She's referring to Lamarcus. You know, he's already getting up there in age. Uh, Lalisha always says the bench role will give him more touches which he likes. My only concern is his contract uh, going forward. He is in the last year of his contract. If he accepts the bench role, again, that'll be conducive to the Spurs winning. Uh, If he doesn't like the bench role and wants to seek, you know, a starting position with another team, he can feel free to leave and do so, you know, and the Spurs aren't really losing anything at that point. You know, there's no need to panic and make a bad trade is what I'm saying. You don't need to go out there and just get somebody for LaMarcus right now and then you're giving away your future on a win now mentality. That is horrible because it's going to have ramifications that we are going to pay for for the next three to four seasons. And that's what we don't want to do. Uh, David says we are better. Uh, we better re-sign DeMar DeRozan. He's been a beast with this team. I agree. I would have rather have if you give me a choice. Do you want DeMar or do you want LMA? I would rather have DeMar. I think he is playing at a higher level. He brings a lot to this team, you know, so he's a crucial piece. And maybe the big signing that the Spurs need to make in the offseason is just resigning DeMar DeRozan. That's it. That's that's the big, you know, yeah. the the blockbuster deal they're going to make at the offseason. Just resign the guy. You know, that's all you got to do. All the pieces you have now are looking decent. You know, just leave things as is. So, Wesley, what do you got to say here? Well, first of all, before I get to, to Jakob, I just want to say this about the comment about LaMarcus. You know, it, you know, it's okay if he walks. And you're right, Joe. He's not – I think they're building the team around the younger guys, in particular Jakob Pertl, uh, you know, at, at that center position. And also even a Drew Eubanks who's, you know, shown some flashes and whatnot. But let's be real. You know, to Chelsea's comment a minute ago, you know, two years away from a title contending team, what they're really missing right now is a do-everything uh, do type of big – um, one that can shoot the three, one that can stretch the four, one that's a tenacious shot blocker. And those are very rare. We see it very rarely, and we know that they're generational. Um, and really, the only way that you're either going to get that is through, you know, some kind of packaged, uh, you know, sign and trade uh, kind of deal to get a lottery pick. Because let's be honest, the 2021 lottery is thick. It's very big. It's got a lot yeah. of really good young Even in the second coming. round too, Wesley. Even yes, in the second and see, round. that's the thing is that, you can get good value, and so Joe, I agree with you on that. I think that if he if he walks, it's not necessarily that you're losing something. You just have to be very careful about what you're you're planning to do going forward. And of course, we know the Spurs will do that. Um, quickly about Jakob, I'll say this: I I think that his tenaciousness on defense, he's so overlooked, and he should be an all all NBA defender. I, there's no doubt about it. I mean, 
other than Rudy Gobert, I, I think he's probably the second best defending big in the league right now. Um, and, I, and I think that part of that just, just again, it's not going to get as, as much recognition as it needs to. But you, you look at his statistics per, you know, per possession uh, on the defense and his defensive rating, and it's, it's astronomical. And the team is benefiting from that in, in such a, a big degree. You know, the biggest question going forward with Jakob is on the offensive end. He's become a little bit better, a little bit more reliable. Um, the thing that he still doesn't do a lot is he still doesn't finish in the lane um, the way he needs to. You mean times. dunk the ball, Jakob? That, and, and <laughs> I mean, Joe, quite honestly, against the against OKC, and of course they were rusty, he didn't finish a couple of layups that would have won the game. Um, and, and also there's the fact that his free throw shooting is abysmal. So there is some liability there that he's still got to correct, but I think he absolutely has deserved the role, and he's really thriving in the role as the starter. Yeah, I think so, too. But we'll see what happens, you know, what Coach Pop decides to do uh, moving forward. You know, this could be a temporary thing until Coach Pop says this is the norm. You know, from now on, we're moving forward with, you know, Yaka Portal in the starting lineup and LaMarcus Aldridge coming off the bench. I'm not going to believe it until it comes out of Coach Pop's mouth, you know. So who knows? He might never say anything, you know. Hey, we're just moving forward with it, and I don't need to say anything about it. That would be a very Pop thing to do, too, you know, so... We'll find out. But let's move forward here and let's uh, <clears throat> Wesley and uh, Chelsea. Let's go ahead and talk about one DeJounte Murray. DeJounte Murray, you know, he's been one of these enigmas. You know, he's been hurt, you know, last season coming off injury, was starting to hit his groove, you know, really get things going. And then all of a sudden, you know, we, we have this COVID-19 hit, the pandemic hits. And then DeJounte looked great again, you know, in, in bubble play. Season stops, starts again quickly. You know, DeJounte has to be ready to go. Didn't look too good in the in preseason play. But I got to tell you, as soon as you started game one of the regular season, he just flipped a switch and he started coming into his own. Ever since then, you've seen the evolution of DeJounte's game. It's gone up. It's evolved. He's looking every much like the point guard the San Antonio Spurs fans have wanted. You know, so you can't say enough good things about one DeJounte Murray and his play this season. If you're a true Spurs fan, you're going to get hyped for the evolution of one DeJounte Murray. This is what you've been wanting. Uh, Chelsea, let us know what are your thoughts on DeJounte this season? Joe, the reason why Spurs fans are getting hype on DeJounte Murray is because he's playing Spurs basketball the way that we like to see Spurs basketball play. He's playing selfless ball. He's so energetic on the court. Um, he's getting those rebounds and, and blocks. And I mean, he just, he not only that, but just the assists also. I mean, he can play everything that we need him to on the court. And he's young. There's still so much to, to teach him. And he's still wanting to learn. And again, it goes back to that energy that he has on the court. Um, I feel like he personifies Spurs basketball perfectly right now, uh, more than anybody else probably on the team. Yeah, you know, Thomas Vega also said uh, Murray's playing with confidence. He has a point, Chelsea. He's been playing with a lot of confidence. He's believing in that injured uh, knee that he had, you know. It's not bothering him. He, he doesn't show any, like, uh, hesitancy. You know, oh, I'm going to hurt my knee again. No, he, he believes in the, the injury has healed 100% and it's showing. His confidence is just growing by leaps and bounds. He's, he's really right now coming into his own. This is, we're seeing right now, I think we're starting to see the start of one prime DeJounte Murray. 
you know, and, and that's what I'm excited for. Uh, David also says, denounce Marie has been in pre preference. Uh, impressive, I'm sorry. He says, was not uh, too high on him until this season. Now, Jason Salinas says, I'm sorry for all the bad things I said about DeJounte Murray. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of that going around. Frank Ramirez says, Murray is coming around uh, and being the, you know, the Spurs, the player Spurs expected. Uh, Murray is, uh, is, is stay, I don't know how to say that, stuffer with, oh, okay. He's a stat stuffer with points, assists, and rebounds, and also with steals. Yes, he's putting up some impressive numbers. Uh, but like you said, Chelsea, this is this is a good thing for Spurs fans and you, Wesley. Let's get to you. I know you got something to say about one Dejounte Murray. So later, tell us what us. you have to say. Oh, okay. So just like Jason was saying just now, I was not too keen on Dejounte Murray early. Really? His, yes, I was not. I I I will eat crow in front of everybody <laughs> today just to say this. Uh, I know that he had all the defensive play in the world. Even after his first year, he was he was given you know all NBA honors in that respect. And then the injury. And when the Spurs resigned him with you know I, I think it was about a sixty year sixty uh, sixty six mil contract, I I thought it was too early. I was like, what are you doing, Spurs? You know he hasn't proven anything yet, and his offensive game up to that point was kind of a mess. And he just he looked uncertain. He looked very skittish at times. You know. Uh, in the lane, just didn't quite know is he going to develop um, to the to that level that we expect of a Spurs point guard? And, and boy, I was wrong. Uh, you know, you better say guy, you're sorry. <laughs> oh man, Dejounte, if you're if you're hearing this, my friend, we are blessed to have you, and you know, prayers to you for a continuance of being the franchise player. Because I really think I tweeted this out today. I think DeJounte Murray is the franchise player for the San Antonio Spurs. I know we want to talk a lot about Keldon. He's got, he will develop, and we know that that very well could be a, a, a great tandem for many, many years together. I know Lonnie, we pull our hair out sometimes, and then we see greatness at some times, and we want to crown him. But listen, folks, DeJounte Murray is the staple of this franchise now moving forward. Um, his defense, he's, he wants to guard the best player on the floor. He is so handsy. He's probably the most handsy defender I've seen since Bruce Bowen on a Spurs on a Spurs team. I mean, his hands are just like he gets steals and pokes steals away that I can't even believe that he got away from people and and great players at that uh, from that matter. Um, but then on top of that, I think if you really are paying attention, not only has his uh, you know, drive and slash game improved, his but his mid-range game is really reliable. And the last part of his game that's really starting to show is his three-point game. You almost think that every time he puts up a three-pointer, it's going to go in. Just because if you it look at the pretty. rotation, it's pretty. Gosh, it's pure. So, you know, I will eat crow. DeJounte Murray, you are absolutely the most important spur uh, outside of DeMar DeRozan. And uh, it, it's really fun to watch him grow into the player that he's become. I think you need to go ahead and order your Spurs Fiesta DeJounte Murray jersey now and wear that with pride, Wesley. <laughs> you're, da you're damn skippy, I am. Yeah. Uh, Thomas Vega is always uh, commenting here, too, on Facebook. And he, sp he said, it's time. Um, it's his time, you know, but Murray's uh, taken his game to another level. He said some players take longer to develop. And that's that's true. Some do. Uh, Thomas always sa also says he says he feels like people have doubted uh, DeJounte and he's used it as confidence, you know, and this is one thing that Spurs fans could really take a, a breath from, you know, take this from from this comment. 
And what this is saying is we have certain players right now that are under the microscope. One, Luka Samanich, Lonnie Walker. Spurs fans are always wanting to give them flack. If they don't have a good game, they don't have a good performance. It takes a little bit of time for these players to develop. If we could be patient with one DeJounte, why aren't we patient with Luca? And why aren't we patient with Lonnie? You know, their time's coming. So just go ahead and be patient. Give that positive energy. And when they do good, you can eat crow just like Wesley, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so moving forward here, we're going to, like I said, we're going to talk a little bit about the world of sports, not just San Antonio Spurs basketball. So getting away from the San Antonio Spurs basketball talk for a quick minute or two, we're going to go ahead and talk about Canelo, you know, the Canelo fight last night. And, you know, me and me and Chelsea are very, really big combat sports fans. We love MMA. We love UFC. You know, we love boxing. Like I said, Chelsea, I think, wants to just like she likes to beat people up. That's why she likes combat sports <laughs> so much. <laughs> She's it's got my favorite anger. pastime. <laughs> She's got a lot of anger in her now. Just playing. <laughs> but we saw this uh, fight yesterday with Canelo and uh, Avin Yildrum. And Yildrim was talking a lot of mess, Chelsea, let's be honest. His, his corner in him said, oh, we're going to take Anello out of his game. We're going to come in there. He's going to be very aggressive. That's He's going to want to dominate. Yeah. None of that happened. Nothing. But Nothing. this was expected. If, if, if you're a boxing fan and you've seen, how do you say his last name? Yildrim. 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 If you've seen any of his past fights... You already knew he wasn't going to be much of a contender against Canelo. I mean, hello, it's just now if you're an average fighting fan and you just want to see Canelo because Canelo's coming out, I'm sure this is probably a little disappointing for you to see a TKO in the third round, but it was almost expected. Illardrum, sorry if I butcher his name, but <laughs> he has not had much of uh, a competitive what's the word he hasn't had a competitive streak at all coming before Canelo so I thought the um the trash talk was interesting but maybe that was something for him to hype himself up he said he wanted to apply that pressure take away you know Canelo's game it, it didn't happen I mean Canelo with those uppercuts he's a lot quicker a lot stronger we saw that even you saw right at the end of the third round um the little drums coach was like hey like if you're not doing anything we're gonna have to stop this fight that's exactly what happened yeah tko in the third round he asked it was expected yeah his corner and when yildrum went to his corner they asked him his trainer asked him are you okay because if you're not i'm stopping the fight you know if you don't show me anything in this next round i'm stopping this fight and yildrum was like yeah i don't think he knew where he was at i don't think that dude knew what was going on Done. He He's got done. rocked. When he got rocked, Canelo hit him and he just went down. Then he was getting hit with the body punches. Uh, that really did some damage to him. And then when he was over there sitting down and he's like, are you okay? Are you, are you okay? And then finally near the end when he was about to get up and start his fourth round, he was like, he's like, all right, we're done. You know, get him out of here. But that, you know, that fight shouldn't even have happened. I mean, it's at, a mandatory fight. It's boxing. It's mandatory. But I mean, at least put some people that are going to give you some competition in there with Canelo. I think at this point, Canelo going with the zone at this point is detrimental to his career. Because if you want to be talked about as some one of the best Mexican fighters of all time, you got to fight the best. You can't be fighting scrubs. You know, I don't even think this was a, a fight where there was belts on the line. It was just a fight just because it's a mandatory fight. 
but the, nobody really gained anything out of this. Yes, it's a win for Canelo, but at the end of the day, it, it's not really helping him. You know, he needs to be able to take on fights that are, are going to give him some street cred. You know, hey, you took on this really good fighter, you know, hey, that that gives you something to be proud of. At this point, it's just a money grab, you know. Everybody knew that going in watching this fight. So if you if you watched it by other means, good for you. <laughs> you know, let's put it like that. Wesley, did you watch the Canelo fight? Yep. And I've got to tell you this, the best comparison, you know, Chelsea, just to, to put this bluntly, you don't have to know how to say the guy's name. His name was, <laughs> his, his name was Heavy Bag. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. He got he got he got hit around there like he was a heavy bag. And the whole you know, the full three rounds, it was just like body punch, body punch, uppercut, body punch, body punch, uppercut. And at that point it was like, you know, you know, Yildrum didn't know what to what to defend, you know. And, and so then he started to get some of those straight right hands. And I think it was two straight right hands, as a matter of fact, that were kind of the, the knockdown at that particular time. And, you know, it kind of reminds me of, of one of my favorite video games of all time, right? Tyson's Punch-Out. Yeah. Uh, it's like, it's like the you know, here's the, the you know, challenger, and he's going against Glass Joe. That's, that's kind of the way it felt. I mean, it was just like there was almost no resistance whatsoever. And I agree with you. I mean – you, if you're going to put a champion uh, like Canelo in there, you've got to find somebody worthy of his time. And if I'm somebody who paid money in this COVID world right now to go go see that fight, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I probably enjoyed the undercards more than I enjoyed the main event. And, I, you know, I mean, I, I know it's all hype at the time. And, of course, you know, everybody wants to see Canelo because he's such a, a great star. But, you know, I, it just didn't live up to the hype. I was, I was, I was hoping – based off of all that trash talk that that would we'd see a good six seven eight round fight i think we all knew it was inevitable that that canelo was going to knock him down or knock him out but um i'll be honest i i had i heard that comment when it happened live with the coach saying hey if you don't start doing something you're going to take you know we're going to stop this fight and i just thought okay that's not going to happen and just like two seconds later it was like oh this is over like Wow. Okay. <laughs> they didn't want the guy to die, Wesley. He was getting hit with some heavy headshots, some yeah. good jabs by Canelo. And if you're not protecting yourself, I mean, come on. We we know the the worst worst case scenario. Well, you know. And, so and, and you know that his head's busted up. But I guarantee you today, I, I would have been surprised honestly if he didn't if he didn't have a broken rib or or have some oh, yeah. internal injuries. Because man, he was getting rocked. He got rocked. <laughs> And, and it's just, you know, what I guess the one thing you can take away from this to, to both of you is that if you're looking at a fighter like Canelo, what he does is he takes what that defender is giving him. Yeah, it, whether whatever he was set up for in the evening, his strategy was, you know, it changed immediately. He saw what was available and open and he, he didn't try to charge ahead like we see some, you know, amateur fighters do and try to charge into gloves and that kind of stuff. He was literally busting them up and just like. Yeah, I'll take my time all night long and just keep busting you up. And eventually that broke down into something bigger. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's nothing surprising. He's he's a heck of a fighter. Yeah, so It yeah. just shows the different levels, you know, yeah. the different levels that both of them are on and that Canelo is at right now. Like who, who what fighter is going to be at the level that he's at to show, you know, to have that next big fight, to hype it up the way it should be hyped. Yeah. Well, hopefully his next fight is going to be a lot better, a better showing than this one because – this was horrible. Uh, people that paid money to see this headline headline fight, they were disappointed. You know, the undercards, yeah. as we stated, were more entertaining. And why aren't we seeing see more of the women box? I used to see the women box, and and that's kind of missing now. Now I see the women fighting in UFC, 
I want to see that female element be brought back in and I want to see the ladies go at it because I got to tell you sometimes the ladies when they go at each other I mean they don't leave nothing out there you know they they go at each other hard some of the UFC fights that I've seen with the women they they put on a show man so I want to see the same thing happen with boxing you know can we get some female undercards you know give some diversity and that's the thing is like I was just talking about this with somebody earlier this week. Like I don't know any up and coming women boxers right now. Like I don't know any that are on the map that we're hoping to see, you know, here next. I don't know any. And if there are some, please let me know because I'm I'm obviously a little behind, but I don't know any women boxers right now. Heck, maybe we gotta put the gloves on you, Chelsea. Hey, <laughs> I'll start training. <laughs> you gotta come up with a cool nickname for you though. <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to work on that. <laughs> hey, but I know Wesley was Mexican yesterday. You know, you probably had the red and green, you know, flag draped around you. You know, you were being obnoxious <laughs> like me, screaming to your family every second you got the chance. Canelo. And they would say, shut up. You know, because <laughs> <laughs> I was all excited to watch the Canelo fight. You know, I had my studio here all lit up in red and green lights. So, you know, I, I was having fun with it. So I like watching Canelo. I'm a fan of him, you know, so. We'll see if the next fight's any better. That's all I can hope for, you know. And they also had PBC boxing as well. And that was available over the air on your local Fox 29 affiliates. So that was interesting. I had ESPN's coverage of the UFC fight going on. I had Canelo on the big on the big projector screen that I have here. I was watching the Spurs game at the same time. And then I had the PBC boxing at the same time, it's like, I think I'm going to need one more screen just in case. <laughs> that was so fun. <laughs> so let's go ahead and uh, talk right now about uh, WandaVision. Oh, Rudy Campos Jr., our good friend Rudy, says, what's up, peeps? What's up, Rudy? Um, so we're going to go ahead and talk about WandaVision. If you have not seen WandaVision, this is going to be something that I'm going to tell you. There might be some spoilers in here, so cover your ears. If you haven't <laughs> seen it, don't don't keep watching us. <laughs> you know, because we're going to ruin it for you. We're really going to ruin it. We're going to ruin it for you. But let, let's put it like this. This this episode of WandaVision was really good. I enjoyed it. You know, it was a, a an origin story for Wanda Maximoff. Uh, and it was one of these episodes that just pulls at your heartstrings. You know, it was like brought you to tears. Everybody was tearing up watching the struggle that she was going through. Her grief, her pain. You could feel that. You know, and you just want her to be happy at the end of the day. And director Hayward is an official dick for framing Wanda. <laughs> I'm like, bro, come on now. Yeah. He made her look so bad. Like she went in there and just basically broke into the place, stole Vision's body and flew off with it. That was not the case. We saw exactly what he did. And he's just a horrible human being, man. I hate that guy. You know, so Chelsea, what did you think of this episode? So I'm happy about this episode because it really showed me everything about WandaVision that I didn't know, you know, I or Wanda that I didn't know. I had no idea, um, except when I talked to you, Joe, like I had no idea about her past life, how she became Wanda. Um, so, yes, it did pull up my heartstrings. And I felt like, wow, she has a very traumatic life, you know, and I can see uh, how she's come to be this, you know, intense woman that she has but then turning into am i allowed to say it like 
turning into what she becomes next. Am I allowed to say that? Yes, I mean, this you're, is, you're allowed okay. to say that. <laughs> I was like, okay, if you haven't seen WandaVision. <laughs> um, but turning into the Scarlet Witch, I was like, yeah. whoa, what's going on here? Like, I, I don't know any of this. I don't, I don't, again, I know Marvel movies and most of the characters and plots <clears throat> and superheroes, but I don't know everything and I'm not, I don't know all the details. So I went straight away onto Google and I just like started researching everything and <laughs> looking up everything. And I thought, man, I am, I love this. I love how they portrayed Wanda vision um, from the very beginning of the show. until this last episode, like it was, and here's another thing about Wanda vision. Every single episode is so different. Not just, you know, when you start watching, you're like, Oh, every episode's a sitcom. But literally, the cinematics are so different. And you really saw that in this last episode. It yeah. blew my mind. Yeah. I, I love it. I, I love the show. I think Elizabeth Olsen should be in contention for an Oscar or something for her portrayal yes. of Wanda. She has to be. I mean, man, I grew up on the Olsen twins, too. Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen were like my idols. And seeing Elizabeth Olsen come out in this, I'm just like, okay, she... The Olsen twins were great. You know, they they had their businesses. They did great. But Elizabeth Olsen, I mean, she takes the acting cake easily. Chelsea mm-hmm. had a Chelsea moment. She put on Twitter. She's like, OMG, I did not know that Elizabeth Olsen I was, no idea. was the younger Everybody sister. Everybody was like, what? Olsen. How did you not know? I didn't know. <laughs> she looked familiar, but I didn't know. I never looked her up. And then I was like, oh, my sister told me. Yeah. And I found out. So That was hilarious yeah, to I'm me. I'm always late. Yeah, that was hilarious to me. I was like, oh, Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> so, Wesley, I know you probably saw this uh, latest version or latest episode. I'm sorry. of WandaVision. What did you think? Well, you know, Joe and, and Chelsea both, I, I, you know, we talked a little bit about this off air. But I, I think that, uh, you know, even in talking to some of my friends about WandaVision early on, you know, the first few episodes, people were kind of starting to gauge and, and say, what is this really? Where are we going? You know? Because you have all these, um, and if you haven't watched One Division, you know, you, you just need you you need to, and and you have to just kind of like a lot of any uh, good series, you have to stick with it. You know, you have to kind of internalize and, and understand what's been what's going on. But you know, there's all these references back to old sitcoms and things, and you're just kind of like, huh? What, I mean, what what is this? And then you know, to come to find out that the Dick Van Dyke show is like you know, such a big historical moment. I won't say any more than that, um, to the family. And, uh, it, you know, it just, it, it, like Joe said, it tears at your heartstrings. It's one of those things that you, you start to understand why Wanda has had such a, a tough life and why she's, you know, become distrusting of so, so many. And it's been so hard to kind of, to, to, you know, crack her, you know, psyche a bit. And, you know, at the same time, she has this kind of proverbial safe place that she has to reside. And, um, you know, I, I think that uh, I was one of the things that I thought of immediately was that this is the new wave of how Hollywood can can really go forward. Um, we've seen this in other things. We saw this with um, the newest Star Wars trilogy where people didn't really care for the, the last few movies, although I really did. But most yeah. people did not. Jeff and Garcia, th- a.k.a. Jeff Garcia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sorry, Jeff. Sorry. Uh, but I think part of it is just because there were so many holes in storylines. You know, you just had monumental places where even in, in Endgame, if you think back to Avengers Endgame, where the Hulk, you know, all of a sudden he's 
able to kind of control some things and, and do some things with his the two sides, you know, the Hulk and Banner that we hadn't seen prior. And you go, how, what, how did that happen? You know, and there's just an unanswered questions. Whereas I feel like with, with WandaVision, kind of to what Chelsea was talking about, you're getting a storyline that's adding up. And this last one in, in particular is such a great, it's almost like to me, like you've got, um, you're, you're going along to chapters and now you've gotten to um, like the chapter exam. And this, this is now where you start to see everything brought together and to review what it all kind of means uh, going forward. And um, just, I mean, it's brilliant. I mean, from think about like a 45 minute episode, maybe if, if that, and you had so much content from, you know, the, these flashback moments to, you know, you know, even Salem, witch stuff, and you kind of don't know where that's going. And then like you said, Chelsea, only to find out the Scarlet Witch, you know, that going forward is going to be such a mind blowing, you know, experience. So, um, I know I, I'm the way I'm describing it all. It just makes it sound chaotic, but that's kind of how it is. And but it's brought together just beautifully and and well written, um, so that you kind of have an understanding of what's what's truly going on. And I think it's wonderful what Chelsea said about if you don't know the Marvel universe very well, you can still follow along. That's the beauty of how this is being transcribed and put forward into these different series. Yeah, it's really good, and it's been a, a real a real treat to watch Wandavision because. It's one of these series where you're like, okay, let's go ahead and check it out. I kind of like Wanda and Vision together. I want to see what they're going to do with the series. And then you watch it and like every episode's gotten better and better and better. The only gripe that I think we all have is that the the episodes aren't longer. You know, they're kind of yeah. short. They're so short. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, it's been great. You know, I think it's been better than than The Mandalorian, you know? I love the not knowing what's going to happen next, you know? Don't you just hate, though, it's a week till you get to see the next one, though. That's the only part I hate. I'm like, oh, I know, I you have to wait a whole week. Right now. Yeah. Well, and my question is, since y'all know so much about, like, the Marvel Universe, do you kind of know what's going to happen in this next episode? You kind of suspect. Because this next episode's the last one, right, for this <clears throat> yeah. season. Well, for those who've not seen it yet, again, spoiler alert, big time spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the new episode, the latest episode, then you shouldn't be listening to this right now. Here's your warning. Uh, listen to us. But spoiler listen. alert for Wanda. I'm about to tell you guys something. So, again, if you have not seen it, don't listen to this. But if you stayed after the credits for the latest episode of WandaVision, you're going to see white vision. And it's like they reconstructed vision. They put him back together and they used the drone that Wanda, you know, kind of threw out of the hex when she crossed over between out of the barrier and just kind of threw the drone at their feet and it was infused with that chaos that chaos magic they use that to kind of reanimate uh the vision where it's he's a white version of vision all pale white just like in the comic books and this version has all the powers and everything but without the human aspect of it without that human soul so he's just full-on just wants to go ahead and execute the mission uh, because the programming they put on him in him is telling him to go and just do one objective. And we don't really know what that is yet. We kind of suspect, you know, it's to destroy the hex and all that kind of stuff. But he's going to be a handful. And at the end of the day, are we going to see the demise of the current vision that's in the hex? Is he going to have to go against himself? To me, that's going to be the wow moment, you know, of the WandaVision. Look at them. They're fighting each other, you know. And see what happens. At the end, I do hope that they're able to really re fully revive him. And with this White Vision's body, with the current Vision, they're able to kind of bring them both together and 
Vision comes back again, you know, and Wanda and Vision get to live happily ever after. I think that's something that we could all be happy with, you know, if this is a one-off series. Well, but, Joe, you have to wonder is, you know, because of her abilities to, not that she can control the past, but her ability and her own psyche to link the past and, and the present, you have to wonder if Vision is in that somehow, if there's not a way for her. I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not saying she's going to have psychic abilities is, or anything like that, but yeah. I... But she can manipulate so much. I mean, she's manipulated time this entire, like, this entire show. Yeah, reality. Because she's a nexus being. And if people that aren't familiar with knowing what a nexus being is, that's what Wanda is. She's able to exist in all realities at the same time. When you saw that one little flashback where you see all this red chaos magic coming out of her and it's reconstructing their home. And then all of a sudden you see the vision being recreated right before our eyes and you're seeing yellow and red mixed together. I think that's showing you that she can tap into those other other realities since she's connected with them. And maybe in one of those realities, she's able to tap into the Mind Stone. That's why you saw yellow and you saw red come together to recreate this vision, this version of vision. So he was created from her memories, and she's just pulling energy from all these other realities at the same time. So it's going to be interesting. It's one of these things where we don't know what's going to happen, and that's the cool thing. Even though you know a lot about what's going on behind the scenes because you read the comic books like I did when I was younger, you still don't know what the writers are going to do. So that's the, the, the interesting part to this whole bit is that somebody new to the series, you know, like Chelsea, you know, she's loving it for what it is, you know, and she can't wait to see the new episode. And somebody like me and Wesley that have a little bit of knowledge and we read the comic books, we can enjoy it as well. So I, I don't know how Disney did it, but... They did a, a marvelous job with, with WandaVision. Everybody's yep. enjoying this, you know? So, Chelsea, you're going to be staying up till 2.02 to watch the, the last episode because that's when it premieres? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't ever stay up late. I just watch it when I get home from work and I try to avoid social media and then I oh, God. take my time and watch. Social media is horrible. As soon as you wake up in the morning, it's like, boom, how are you doing? There's a spoiler. <laughs> it's like, stay off of Twitter, please. That's what ruined it for me on Friday. Was Joe Twitter. was killing me during The Mandalorian because Joe and Jeff and everybody would get into these like big discussions. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I got to teach school. I can't see this. I want to go to Twitter, but I can't go to Twitter because if I go to Twitter, I'm going to read it. There's yes. no way I'm not going to read this. And so yeah. I'd just be like, la, 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 la. And then get home and watch it. And then like respond and everybody'd be like, oh, you're kind of late to the party, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Garcia, our good friend Jeff, he's the uh, Russian judge. He ju- he grades everything with a really high standard, especially when it comes to oh. Star Wars or any Marvel series or something. Jeff will find something to nitpick about it. Oh, it was all right, bro. But, you know, they didn't do this right. I'm like, Jeff, you're killing me, man. You know, don't even get him started, Chelsea, with Star Wars. Don't ever talk with him. I mean, I've seen all the Star Wars, but I have to say Mandalorian has probably been, besides like maybe um, A New Hope and, I don't know, a couple others, The Phantom Menace. Like, I really liked Mandalorian. I feel like it's probably my favorite anything out of the Star Wars franchise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe you can dress, you're going to dress as Ahsoka then for Halloween. (laughs) 
You're going to have those little <laughs> white lightsabers. That would be so cool. <laughs> <laughs> that, would, that would be cool. We all dress up. Right? Hey, and she's going to have her own show coming yeah. out too. That she is. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. And I'm also part of this other uh, geek cast, you know, called Countdown City Geek Cast. We actually record an episode today, later on today around seven o'clock. And we're going to live stream that. I'll put it up on our, you know, the Two Shots Twitter uh, Twitter line as well. So make sure you check that out. But we're going to dive deep into the discussions of WandaVision and all things geeky, you know. So I'll have some of these guys come out from time to time. So we can also talk about wrestling, Chelsea. That's one thing that we wanted to get into. I mean, I watch a little bit of AEW. I know there's a pay-per-view next Sunday, so I'm going to be watching that. Um, I keep up from time to time Wednesday nights, but I grew up on WWF. So to me, like, that's how I got into fighting because I thought <laughs> wrestling was real. <laughs> and, it is real, uh, Chelsea. What I are you talking about? I fell in love about? with that. <laughs> and I went to my first AEW show two years ago, and it was really cool. It was badass. Yeah. So I like wrestling. I'm telling you, when you come back to San Antonio, you know, once things are kind of safe to do so, I'll take you to the RCW. We'll all go. I'll take Wesley, too, with us and some of the guys that are here in San Antonio. And we'll go check out a, a River City wrestling match with our, our friend over there, Brandon Oliver. So you can yeah. check that out. You'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy it a lot. I'm telling you. It's a lot of fun. And we also got to go check out the Alamo City Roller Girls. That's going to be fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, we'll see if we can get Chelsea to go in there. <laughs> Put some skates on her. Send her in there. <laughs> hey, I roller skate, but not like those girls. Those girls will beat me Sponsored up. Sponsored by Two Shots Podcast. Right. Chelsea Tortoise. <laughs> that would Just be something. Just me up. I'll try my best. There you go. We'd love to see Chelsea doing battle. <laughs> She's going to go give somebody an elbow. Bam. Yeah, I think I know a few things. I've seen a few things, so I'm sure I can uh, at least try. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be fun. <laughs> we we got to tell the people, too, and we will get into this at another time, but Chelsea did a really funny video of her camping, which it was entertaining, entertaining. <laughs> it made me laugh. I was literally cracking up watching it. It's Chelsea going on a camping trip in a G.I. Joe tent. That's all you got. That's a real G.I. Joe tent. <laughs> real G.I. Joe awesome. tent. <laughs> I, I went camping by myself. Um, I was caught in a storm, a thunderstorm. You can watch it on my YouTube channel. I haven't like publicized it, but it's there. So free it to watch is for your hilarious. <laughs> it's hilarious. You got to watch it. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we're going to go ahead and start bringing this show to an end. Uh, but before we do so, uh, where can they go ahead and follow you, Chelsea, on social media? Um, Twitter is Chelsea Torres TV. Instagram, yes, I'm Chelsea. And then I do have a YouTube channel as well. Um, I'm not like active on YouTube, but you know, there's stuff there, but yeah, I'm really active on Twitter and Instagram the most. So come and hang out. Yep. Come and hang out with Chelsea, give her a follow and a like, and Wesley, where can they interact with you on social media? Well, my sports page is uh, at Wesley Perk. It's where I kind of center more things about the world of sports and, and kind of what we're talking about, about the, the geekdom and uh, the geek world. And I uh, just enjoy talking a whole bunch of things right now. I got to say this, guys, and if you haven't seen it, just finished Narcos Colombia. No, here and, we go. Oh, my I God. love Narcos. Pablo Escobar is one of my favorite dudes ever. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. I just started Mexico, but I can't. I got like two episodes in. I started falling asleep. I'm like, okay, I have to just go back to the beginning and start again because, yeah. Anyway, but uh, no, uh, hook me up at, or come come check it out. You know, I always like to talk to these guys and, and a lot more just about sports and anything else. So there you go. Make sure you follow Wesley on, on Twitter. 
So that's about all the time we have for today's episode of the Two Shots Podcast. Thank you for joining us on the live stream. And also, if you're listening to this on the podcast that's going to be put up right after the live stream, we greatly appreciate your support. And if you want to follow us on YouTube, we greatly appreciate that as well. So for Chelsea Torres and Wesley Perkins, I'm Joe Garcia. Thank you for watching and listening to another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. And like we always say, spread the love, stop the hate, and be kind. We're out. Peace.